Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel and the podcast. Sal Vetri here, and we're going to break down the three-game Thanksgiving slate. Nothing gets better than this. It really doesn't. I mean, football three-game slate, tons of great contests. You can go for showdowns, two-game slates, the full three-game slate, halftime showdown. Whatever it is, you're going to be eating a ton of food, hopefully hanging out with some family that you like, and if not, just watch the game. But either way, hopefully you're enjoying your Thanksgiving, your preparation, your travels there and back are very safe. Let's break down this slate. I'll give you my interests. Game-by-game notes are going to be free for free for everybody. So where you see these little notes, these are just abbreviated, one topic. I have about one page, um, about three quarters of a page to one page per team of notes for this slate. And if you're interested in those, follow me over on Instagram. I'll be posting a link and a story of where you can find those only for people on Instagram. So you can follow that link down below, Sal Vetri over there. If you're new to the channel and the podcast, welcome. My name is Sal Vetri. I do indeed cover daily fantasy sports in the NFL, NBA, MLB and WNBA slates as a bunch of cop cars, hold on now, come flying by the house, hopefully everybody's okay, but you can follow me on all of my social platforms linked down below at Salvetri DFS over on Twitter, Salvetri over on the Instagrammer, and then over on Facebook, Salvetri Facebook page. So that's where you can find all my stuff in terms of social medias. I have exclusive content linked down below over on Patreon. Again, that's where I post game-by-game notes usually, but again, they're going to be free this week. You can find out where by following me on Instagram. I post a ton of stuff over on Patreon. Projections will be there if you're interested in that for these three-game slates as well as the main slate. Every single day, I have NBA projections, tons of content, podcasts. All of that goes out over on Patreon. Check it out, linked down below. But I appreciate all of your support. We crushed through 16,000 YouTube subscribers. So if you get any value from this, maybe it's your first time watching me, just trying to enter some lineups, first time playing DraftKings, first couple of times on, on Thanksgiving, I really do appreciate it if you hit that subscribe button. It might not mean much to to you subscribing to me, uh, but it means a ton to me. It allows me to continue to reach more people and grow this channel as an independent content creator. Same thing for you, audio version, listeners, podcast version. How are those ears doing? If you can hit the five-star rate and review and subscribe to the podcast, it means the world to me. So hit the subscribe button, five-star rate and review, follow social medias, free strategy guides linked up down below as well. Let's get into the video starting with the quarterback position. Um, six quarterbacks on the slate. That's it. Jeff Driscoll right now, there's question marks around his health. I'm just going to assume that he plays against the Bears. Probably either way, I don't have much interest there, but we'll start with the guys that I do like on this slate. I like Drew Brees this week. If you take out the game where he's not throwing, and obviously the chalky game is going to be New Orleans and Atlanta, but if you take out the game where he only threw five or six times against the Rams if you are getting hurt, he's averaging 41 pass attempts per game and over 300 yards per game. 313 yards per game leads the slate. Pretty good indicators of how this offense operates. Yes, they have two very stable running backs, and they're eight and a half point favorites here with a 27.75 highest on the slate team implied total. So maybe they lean on the run a little bit more, but on a small slate, $6,800, the highest price quarterback, I will have interest there pairing him with his quarterback and or running back or secondary option, Jared Cook, maybe it's not the greatest of options to me personally on this type of a slate, especially if it is chalky, but just a pure amount of volume he's going to be throwing at Atlanta, one of the worst ranked defenses in the league, uh, give up top five fantasy points per game to the quarterback position, top six in terms of yards per game to the position. Drew Brees at least stands out on a three game slate and it's probably not shocking to anybody. My second play here, and the guy that I think I have the most interest in in GPPs in terms of being contrarian, finding a guy who's lower owned for just probably the wrong reasons, is going to be Dak Prescott. You can see some of these game environment numbers. Uh, These are, I wouldn't look at these numbers right here, eight and a half point favorite. These are all from last week's game environment numbers. This week's numbers, we can pull up 
um, by heading over to, and let me pull up the target offense sheet, some of these numbers. All these numbers right now are from the previous week, so I'll, I'll pull up the other numbers and we can get back to those um, in the, they're in the game by game notes and you can check those out again over on Instagram. I'll post those, but right now you have Dak Prescott with the second highest total on the slate at 26. It's just about a point and a half behind the likes of the Drew Brees of the world. Uh, as I'll take away these notes, the Drew Breeses of the world, um, and things of that nature. So look, he's probably not going to get as much ownership as Matt Ryan in that game environment against the saints, but he probably should, right? Uh, this is a Bills secondary that ranks top three. They rank third overall in coverage, but a big reason why is because Tredavious White has been absolute lockdown. In my opinion, the second best cornerback in the league, only behind Stephon Gilmore top five, without a doubt pass rating against in the low fifties. Uh, but other than that, Levy Wallace on the opposite side will be going up against Michael Gallup. That's a great matchup for Michael Gallup. In the slot, you'll have a very meh matchup for Randall Cobb, but nice matchups overall for Zeke on the ground against um, this Buffalo team. And you have a pass blocking advantage that is very good. Buffalo ranks top 10 in pass rush, but when you have an offensive line like Dallas does, they actually have a 20% advantage in coverage. So 20% more time in this game, and uh, you're going to have for Dak Prescott throwing the ball. So if he's going to be lower owned at a very reduced price point, of below Josh Allen's price point somehow, well below Matt Ryan's and $1,100 cheaper than Drew Brees. I like Dak here. He still leads the league in efficiency. If you look at DR, defensive yards above replacement statistic, showing just that he's very effective and efficient in neutralized game situations, the best in the league right now, even after last week's weather game against New England, where they end up losing. And he goes to the glove in the second half instead of the first half. And it was much worse in the first half. 5,700 is too cheap for a guy that outside of Amari Cooper, who is dealing with a bum ankle and bum knee, and I really don't have much interest in Amari on this slate against Shadavius White. Michael Gallup's in a nice spot. Jason Witten is a, a fine option if you want to go to him on a slate that doesn't really have any upside at tight end. And then Zeke is clearly a guy that you can play and just stack with Dak, even if it's not the best correlating play. It's a three-game slate, and you're at least just probably going to land on them. So I really like Dak this week. He was probably going to be my preferred contrarian uh, quarterback option, if not my favorite option on the board right there with a, a guy like Matt Ryan or Drew Brees. Josh Allen, after this, he has the mobile upside he's averaging or on the season averaging more than double the rushing yards than any other quarterback on the slate so he gives you that Dallas has struggled a little bit in the secondary, but I just don't know if I trust Josh Allen's weapons this week. I like the running back options, Devin Singletary and Frank Gore, the one-two punch there, at least for this team, more so Singletary for DFS. But Allen will have Brown on the outside, who will talk about sneaky good matchup probably against a woozy and not going to see much Byron Jones. But that just hurts a guy like Isaiah McKenzie, who's locked down the number two job. You have a brutal matchup for Cole Beasley, revenge game, if you will, against the Dallas Cowboys, who will get Jordan Lewis in the slot, who's been a top five slot cornerback since taking over the job about six weeks ago, low 50s in his pass rating again only giving up so far through 10 games in the slot 110 yards through 10 games he's allowing only 11 yards per game in coverage in the slot only one reception per game is Jordan Lewis allowing in man coverage. That is not good for Cole Beasley. So Josh Allen's going to be in play just because of his mobile upside. The guy has what, like six or seven rushing touchdowns this year. If you take that into account, if he can get there on the ground in this game, he's okay. But at this price point of 6,200, I much prefer Dak Prescott. I much prefer getting to Matt Ryan for only $200 more expensive. And we'll get to Matt Ryan now averaging 40 attempts per game, 300 yards per game. He's been struggling over the last month. And a lot of that has to do with no Devonta Freeman for the short passing game, no Austin Hooper for the short to intermediate passing game. He relies heavily on Russell Gage last week and in a week where he finally had to throw the ball a little bit more. Now the struggling should have an asterisk by it because two out of the last three weeks, his team's been up by two or three scores due to his team's pass rush uh, two, three weeks ago against uh, we saw it three weeks ago against these Saints and then two weeks ago against the Panthers. So a lot of that, there's just not much need for him to have to do anything out there. So you have a $6,400 player, maybe no Marshawn Lattimore. They said that there's a shot he will play on Thursday, which you'll know maybe closer to lock now if he's going to play depending on when you're watching this. But if he's not him, 
obviously a fantastic spot but either way you'll probably get julio against marshawn Lattimore. or if they decide to bracket julio with eli apple in a safety you'll get marshawn Lattimore against calvin ridley like they did twice last year including on thursday night football on thanksgiving and that really hurt matt ryan's upside in the overall offense so they might go back to that it's hard to tell because uh, we had Lattimore hurt in the first quarter, I believe it was, or the first half last time out against Atlanta, so it's really hard to tell what they were going to do there. Uh, we didn't have much of a sample, only about a quarter of the game. But Matt Ryan here grades out as my third favorite QB on the slate. He might actually bump up a little bit higher once I start building some lineups. The more that I think about it, I like the stacking options more for Atlanta, right? You have Julio, you have Russell Gage, and you have Calvin Ridley over what you get from Drew Brees. Uh, you have, obviously, Michael Thomas is fantastic. Alvin Kamara is as well, but they're really expensive, right? Russell Gage is dirt cheap. You have a mid-price $6,600 Calvin Ridley. And then after that for Drew Brees, it's Jared Cook at 4800 Okay, he's probably the best tight end play on the slate just based on pure points, but he's also the most expensive and he's going to see like six targets per game, 6.3 over the last month since returning. And then Traquan Smith and Ted Ginn are just wild cards. They don't use their slot wide receivers on this team. They don't really use much on this team outside of their running back, Kamara, their number one receiver, best in the league right now in Michael Thomas, and then Jared Cook to an extent. So uh, we'll see. Maybe Matt Ryan rises a little bit, but I think in GPPs, Dak's my preferred option. Jeff Driscoll, Mitch Trubisky in that first game. I'm just going to take pieces from that game. None of these quarterbacks line up all that well. The game's just going to be so slow paced. You only see a, a total that is seven points lower than any of the other games on the slate. 38 and a half, 45 and a half for um, the uh, Dallas and Buffalo game, 48 and a half for that Atlanta and New Orleans game. It's just a gross game because the Bears preferably play slow. And lately we've been seeing Detroit run the ball a little bit more. Last week you saw uh, over 20 rush attempts overall between Ty Johnson, well, 25 between Ty Johnson, J.D. McKissick, and Bo Scarborough. And then the Bears purposely play slow. They milk the play clock down. Over the last couple of weeks, they've only been running around 50 offensive plays. They run the ball per game around 20 times. Mitch will throw like 25 times, and it's just not great. It's not good football. It's really hard to win a tournament with that um, type of play calling and really just that type of game environment. You're losing like a possession per game. So I do prefer getting to those other guys. I prefer it probably right now in this order, just based on ownership and GPPs. Um, let's say Dak... Uh, Drew Brees and Matt Ryan, but that Matt Ryan and Drew Brees is very interchangeable for me. Let's go over to running back. Again, some of these these game environment numbers that you're seeing on the screen, they're probably from last, uh, last week's, just not updated yet. They are updated over on Patreon if you're interested. Um, the only numbers that are not updated, I believe, are the totals here. Uh, yeah, just the totals are not updated. Uh, the paces and all that are, are clearly fine. The defense versus position is fine. Totals and game totals, so I can just get rid of those. Um, so starting with the running backs, there's really not much that I like here. Uh, for a three-game slate, there shouldn't be 10 players that you like. It should be very compressed or condensed is a better word. And I only have five guys to mention. I'll mention some other ones to talk about, but these are the main guys that I have interest in. If you want the notes on these, again, follow on Instagram linked up down below. Kamara and Zeke are my only two yeses, and that should be obvious to people. I prefer Zeke over Kamara for uh, $700 less. Kamara finds himself in a fine matchup. Kamara has caught nine balls or seen nine targets per game. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. He's caught nine balls per game over the last three weeks. He has only out-touched Latavius Murray on the ground, 28 to 22, only by six touches um, when it comes to rushing attempts. But when you factor in his receiving game role, 55 touches to 27 for Murray. So, when Alvin Kamara is healthy, Latavius Murray has seen 54 carries this year in games that Kamara has played in. That's only six per game with Kamara missing two games, so nine total divided by 54. There you go. Six per game, and he's averaging about one reception per game when Kamara is healthy. Seven total touches for Latavius Murray on average against the 12th ranked Atlanta team is not great. I don't want to pay 5,600 for that. I really don't even want to play play that even if he was 4,600. So 
Uh, Latavius Murray's seven to eight touches, really six to eight touches, averaging out to seven in this game is not something I want. I currently have Alvin Kamara projected for 13 carries and six receptions in this game. So 19 touches out of Alvin Kamara on a three game slate where there's not many running back options and really just two that stand out to me. Yeah, I'm going to get to that. Ezekiel Elliott against Buffalo on their interior run stop is not a great team at all. You have a very nice team total here. Their favorites, home favorites, uh, Zeke in this team. And I have right now Zeke projected for 24 and a half opportunities. I've been projected for 20 and a half carries and four targets. Yeah. And right now it breaks out for me for 22 and a half overall touches. I haven't projected for two receptions. So, or three receptions, 23 and a half. So you tell me on a three game slate, Zeke at home in a good matchup on the interior against Buffalo's run defense on the interior. They're not good as a home favorite. And you're going to give me the most touches on the slate projected for him at only 7,400. Yeah. Zeke is a virtual lock for me on this type of a slate in any format. And then after that, just three options in the running backs, Tariq Cohen over uh, David Montgomery. David Montgomery, and I have the numbers right here, over the last three games has seen 47 overall rush attempts, 47 rush attempts, but he's done nothing with them, averaging around three yards per carry. That's not great. Now, Detroit has been absolutely fantastic since getting back three weeks ago. Uh, Mike Daniels and their defensive line just overall getting healthier. Um, with their defensive line getting healthier, this is the totals that Detroit has given up. Notoriously, over the first eight games, two months of the season, they were bad. This is what you've been getting out of Detroit's run defense the last three games, ready? Including three weeks ago when you had this run defense going up against um, David Montgomery himself. It comes out that David Montgomery, 17 carries, 60 yards, 3.5 yards per carry. Zeke Elliott, 16 carries for 45 yards and a touchdown, 2.8 yards per carry. And then the Redskins combined, Geis and AP last week, 20 rushes for 60 yards, 3 yards per carry. This Detroit run defense, sneaky good, turning it around right now. So it's a spot where I probably don't want to get to David Montgomery as he continues to not be able to break tackles. So I'll go to Tariq Cohen. I don't have much confidence. I've been projected for about 10 touches here, five receptions and five rush attempts. That's not great. But again, outside of Zeke and Kamara, who are priced up, and I like both of them. I probably try to get to both of them in a lot of my lineups. Outside of them, if you're looking for a third option or a pivot type of play at running back, Cohen at least possesses upside at his 10 touches. Give me Cohen's 10 touches and David Montgomery's 14 to 15 on the ground where Cohen's is going to see about four or five receptions more times than not and has that ability to get more after the catch. I'm not thrilled with it, but it's an option on this type of a slate. Devin Singletary, 5,800, continues to out-snap 70 to 30. Frank Gore continues to out-touch him barely, about only 20, 30% more touches by him. But in this matchup against Dallas, it at least has to stand out at 5,800, coming off of his number one or his first ever 100-yard plus rushing game. I don't really love it. He's probably about, right. He's probably the third highest on the slate for point total just because there's not many other running backs on the slate. Uh, Bo Scarborough, if he becomes popular, I'm not going to go here. He had 19 carries or 18 carries last week for 98 yards. The week before that, he had 15 for 55 and a touchdown. He's looked okay on the ground, like very average. 32 carries for about 150 yards and a touchdown. It's average performance, right around 4.7 yards per carry. But the problem is he doesn't do anything in the receiving game. He's seen one target, no receptions over the last two weeks where McKissick and Ty Johnson have combined for nine targets and a couple of receptions. And pretty much if he becomes popular, yes, he's cheap, but he's very much like Brian Hill to me. He'll get a lot of ownership on him, potentially 30, 40%, maybe 50% on a three-game slate. And if he doesn't get in the end zone, he's a bust. He can carry the ball like he did last week, 19 times or 18 times for close to 100 yards. He fumbled. He only ended up with 8.8 points. If you told me Bo Scarborough was going to get me eight points this week and be somewhat high-owned, I just tell you I'm not going to play him. So it depends on ownership. If he's not owned yet yeah, in cash, he seems like a fine play. He's cheap enough at running back. But you're probably more times than not against an improved Chicago defensive line that has not been that 
bad over the last few weeks holding guys like Saquon Barkley down they've looked very good as of late it's not a spot that uh, and they've gotten healthier it's not a spot that if he has 15 carries I feel confident in him just give me Kamara give me Zeke and I'll just put a wide receiver in my flex spot more times than not Devonta Freeman might play this week no interest really there anyways he's only averaging 12.4 yards per carry this run blocking unit for Atlanta is just absolutely terrible he'll run 21 routes per week but you're gonna pay $5,100 for a below average slot uh, wide receiver is what that boils down to because he catches all of his passes at the line of scrimmage no real upside there like more times than not Devonta Freeman will carry the ball 12 times in this game for like 35 yards and catch three passes for like 20 yards that's not what I want to do uh, I don't really care about that at 5100 David Montgomery we talked about we talked about uh, Latavius Murray Brian Hill and Quadre Olson both terrible even if there's no Devonta Freeman I don't want either of these guys look Quadre Olson has found the end zone on two goal line touchdowns Outside of that, he's averaging less than three yards per carry. Brian Hill is barely cracking the three yards per carry mark, right? Or Brian Hill is barely cracking the three yards per carry mark against the number four overall rated New Orleans rush defense. And they only give up, they give up the least yards in the league on the ground, 61.8 per game. Nothing else stands out to me there. Let's get over to the wide receiver position. Getting into the wide receiver position now. Look, I mean, the wide receiver position, naturally, it's going to be the deepest position on the slate. Uh, without question, it makes a ton of sense. There are just more wide receivers that are rosterable and three wide receiver sets, and at the very minimum, two wide receiver sets. So, again, game notes are over for these wide receivers, specifically in depth details over on the Patreon, and they'll also be on Instagram on a free link that I will put out there. So, be sure to check that out. But, wide receivers, top of it, Michael Thomas. Look, I've been advocating and not playing Michael Thomas the last two weeks, and what has he done? He scored 28 fantasy points, 24, whatever it might be, and he's not needed because he's so expensive. But on a three-game slate, your overall points upside is much more meaningful than on an 11-game slate because there's just less people who can beat you outright. Julio Jones can probably beat him outright. Maybe a Gallup or a John Brown or an Amari Cooper in a tough matchup can beat Michael Thomas outright, but it's realistically one to two players on this slate that can beat Michael Thomas or come around his point total if he drops 25 to 30 points or more, whereas on an 11-game slate, there's like 20 wide receivers who can score 25-plus points in a given week, so... I have a ton of interest in Michael Thomas this week. Eight straight games with at least eight receptions. He's a definition of consistent. He will move into the slot on about a third of his routes. He is the best slot wide receiver on this team, and he's a primarily outside receiver. 33 receptions for 374 yards is right now almost triple the amount of receptions as anybody else on this team out of the slot. It is more than double the overall yardage, and he has twice as much many touchdowns as the entire team combined out of the slot. Your Traquan Smith, your Austin Cars. Your Ted Ginns, whoever else they move into the slide, Kamara to an extent. Uh, it has not mattered. Harris to an extent. Deontay Harris for some snaps uh, when you had no um, Ted or Traquan Smith throughout the middle of the part of this year. So Michael Thomas, 9,100. I think he's a smash play. Julio Jones dealing with an injury. If there's no Marshawn Lattimore, it gets even better. We touched on earlier, though, that you probably do see some bracket coverage of Eli Apple with a safety on Julio, which then means Marshawn Lattimore, if he does indeed suit up, will be on more so Calvin Ridley. I don't think they do that for the primary part of the game, although they did do it last year both times. We saw 34% of the time uh, that you had Marshawn Lattimore on Julio Jones during that game, 34% of the time for about a quarter and a half. So really, he wasn't on him primarily. So yes, you did see some bracket coverage there. So Julio at 7,300, too cheap of a price tag. When you start looking at all these studs, you have Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, and Julio Jones. I think there's an avenue to getting three of them into your lineup. Can you let me know in the comments, who do you think is the one that you leave off? At first, I was thinking Alvin Kamara, but just the depth of running back position is kind of gross this week. If you get Singletary scoring 20 or Cohen scoring 16 plus, then yeah, sure, maybe you don't need Kamara. But Zeke and Kamara seem like necessities, and then it's really choosing between Michael Thomas and Julio. Thomas, the more expensive player, scary to fade a guy who is going to score probably 24 to 30 points on this slate, and then Julio Jones dealing with an injury. 
And if Lattimore is in a tough matchup, but much cheaper, who is the one stud out of those two top running backs and two top receivers, the four studs on the slate, that you think you'll be ending up not getting a lot of, or maybe maybe not fading, but just would bounce out of that top elite group of those four guys? It's really difficult for me. It probably comes down to Julio or Kamara, and I'm not totally sure just yet. Getting over to Allen Robinson. Really interesting numbers I was digging up, posted on Twitter, at Salvatore DFS, on Allen Robinson. He plays in the slot 40.4% of the time this year. That is very important because you have Darius Slay on the outside, who's been pretty good so far this season, hasn't had a ton of difficult shadow matchups, but he's halted the players that he's seen in shadow coverage. Terry McLaurin's MVS, who's been terrible, players like that. So Allen Robinson's a different type of breed. We did not see a shadow matchup, though, three weeks ago when these two played. There was just 30% of the time, less than 50% of the time you saw um, Darius Slay on Allen Robinson, so that's good. A big reason why Allen Robinson, like we said, moves into the slot 40% of the time where he'll get Justin Coleman, who's given up the third most yards overall in the entire league this year and the most touchdowns in the entire league, second most slot yardage on the season as well, only behind Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan giving up more yards just because he's targeted more, not so much much as because he's bad like Coleman. So this is honestly a very sneaky good spot. People are going to run away from this matchup for Allen Robinson because they're going to say, oh, Darius Slay is going to be on him the whole game. No, he's not. Darius Slay will probably be on him 35-40% of this game at most. Robinson will live in the slot about half of the game, then come out for half of the game, and you won't see a shadow matchup. So yeah, I think Allen Robinson is very much in play this week. He draws a great matchup where he succeeded heavily a couple weeks back having about 89 yards on six targets, somewhat of a floor game for 15 points. I really like Allen Robinson at 6,700 on the slate. I think he's very viable, and I think he goes a little bit under the radar. Michael Gallup is a top five wide receiver playing the slate against Levy Wallace so far this season. Uh, So you're going to get, so far this season, he's been fantastic, averaging close to double-digit targets per game for Gallup. You're probably going to see Levy Wallace on him, like I mentioned, and Levy Wallace is nowhere near, anywhere near Tredavious White's skill set, who will probably be shutting down Amari Cooper in this game. Levy Wallace so far this season is allowing 4.3 reception and 4.3 receptions and 45 yards per game. That is not good for a solo defender. That is not good by any means. So far this season, 47 receptions, 495 yards and four touchdowns, 109.6 pass rating against. Really like Michael Gallup's $5,500 price tag. Russell Gage at $4,500 is probably going to be the best low end wide receiver play on the slate, in my opinion in that very nice game environment that we've already talked about being the night game, it's probably some chalk. Even if he starts to get chalky, I think 4,500 is a tough price to get or a a tough price to pass on for a guy like Russell Gage as I pull up his game by game notes here. He's ran 30 plus routes per week over the last month of the season, four weeks now, taking over for the Mohamed Sanu role. He's benefited from no Austin Hooper. He's benefited from no Devonta Freeman. And it seems like there's going to be no Hooper and potentially no Freeman this upcoming week. Over these past four weeks, he's had 21 receptions, 189 yards, and 27 targets. 6.8 targets per week. So we'll call it seven. Seven targets per week. Two of those games, they were ahead big. They didn't even have to throw. So getting seven targets per week. Last week, we saw more of a chemistry with him as they had to throw the ball. Him and Matt Ryan leading the team in receptions and overall yardage. It was good for Russell Gage. Now he's only $4,500. It's a spot that I really like the guy. I'll project him for seven targets and a positive matchup coming out of the slot against P.J. Williams. Keep in mind, though, that if Marshawn Lattimore is not to play, P.J. Williams probably moves to the outside. So you probably want um, Marshawn Lattimore to play if you're very interested in Russell Gage because you'll get a more beneficial matchup against P.J. Williams in the slot. So Russell Gage 4,500 is a very nice play. And then my final yes on the slate is going to be John Brown. Look, some people are going to think, and maybe it happens, but I don't think so, that Byron Jones, the best cornerback for Dallas, will be on John Brown. But John Brown lives on the left side of the field 50% of the time, and you don't get Byron Jones shadowing players. He just stays on one side of the field. He hasn't shadowed yet this season. So you'll get Awuzi, um, the uh, Cowboys' number two cornerback who plays 95% of the time on the left side of the field, probably getting more John Brown. So, so far this season, Awuzi has given up 
as I pull up his stat sheet here, so far Awuzie has given up 37 receptions, 541 yards, and two touchdowns, a 95.2 pass rating against. Look, it's it's not a terrible. He's not absolutely terrible, Awuzie. He's a little below average. He's not good. He's not great. He's not awful. A little bit below average. And John Brown has been one of the more consistent receivers in the league. Last week was the first week all season he did not have 50 plus receiving yards. Now leaving it as just Michael Thomas, the only receiver in the league without with, with having at least 50 receiving yards in every single game. John Brown's a guy you can probably uh, count on for around six receptions in this game. 6,300 is a fair price point. More of a, not a priority. I like Allen Robinson more in that 6K range, but I do prefer John Brown over some other guys. Now getting to my maybes, there's five of them. So my yeses at wide receiver, Michael Thomas, Julio, Allen Robinson, Michael Gallup, Russell Gage, and John Brown. John Brown may be closer to a maybe. We'll move John Brown to a maybe instead of a yes. I do think it's a sneaky good matchup for him, similar to Allen Robinson. I think people will think these matchups for Brown and probably Robinson are tougher than they actually appear. Calvin Ridley against New Orleans, season high and a a career high price point on DraftKings of 6,600 this week if you take out just showdown slates. Um, He was 6,500 last week, 6,600 this week. The concern here for Ridley is that he ends up seeing um, Marshawn Lattimore in one-on-one treatment if they do bracket Julio like they did last year. That is without a doubt a real concern that you have to worry about. Although a couple weeks back, again, Lattimore got hurt, but he saw 82.8. 1% of the snaps, Eli Apple was on him. He was held to three catches, 28 yards on four targets by Apple. Apple, who has not been that great this season. Look, he's seen 22 targets over the last three weeks. I think I just prefer Julio and Russell Gage at their price points currently. He's not a priority for me, uh, Calvin Ridley. Again, if you're doing stacks, I prefer Julio and Gage because of the price discount on Gage. And I think Julio is just dirt cheap at 7,300 for his skill set. Uh, nothing wrong with Ridley here. It's just a price range where, look, $700 more, you get Julio Jones. And I like that ceiling and floor combination a little bit more. Kenny Galladay at 6,100 is interesting to me because I know he'll carry no ownership. Now, I prefer John Brown. I prefer Allen Robinson. And Galladay just hasn't been seeing the volume as of late. I mean, this is a guy since Jeff Driscoll that took over that the overall upside is gone. He caught a touchdown against the Bears on what was a push off, kind of a Hail Mary heave from Driscoll three weeks back. But He'll probably get Kyle Fuller, which is not going to be Prince of Mugamaro, who has been the better cornerback. He'll probably be on Marvin Jones. That's what we saw last time out. And you just get a spot where you're only getting 2.6 receptions per game and six targets per game over the last three games since Driscoll took over. Driscoll looked terrible the last time out. It's not a lot of volume. It's not great, but $6,100. I think it's worth it with the price point coming down 1600 over the last month since Stafford has been hurt. Uh, now I say worth it, meaning if you're playing 10 lineups, don't play them in five to 10 of them. You get them in two of them. You might be above the field, 20% of the field. I think that's interesting for a guy with Cal- Kenny Galladay's upside, both around the red zone and in between the 20s. So not a priority for me, secondary option. Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller, both cheap. Gabriel 4,300 in the concussion protocol currently. So we'll see if he even plays. Anthony Miller 3,900. Anthony Miller is a slot wide receiver on this team, so he'll always play less snaps than um, Taylor Gabriel because Gabriel will be out there in both three wide receiver sets and two wide receiver sets on the outside. Keep an eye on Gabriel's status. If he is out, it makes Javon Wims a very interesting play on this slate. Javon Wims currently coming in at $3,000 flat. He'd end up probably playing somewhere around 60 to 70% of the snaps, if not more on the outside. Once again, not a priority play, but you're going to have Taylor Gabriel currently projected if he plays or Javon Wims if he steps in to go up against Rashawn Melvin, who's been... uh, Right there with um, Justin Coleman is one of the worst cornerbacks in the league. Rashawn Melvin has also leading the league, seven touchdowns allowed. This Detroit secondary has been pretty leaky on the season, getting rid of Quandre Diggs and also having injuries to Darius Slay this year. But what you're getting right now is just a an above average matchup if Gabriel suits up. If not, Anthony Miller should see similar usage out of the slot um, in terms of snap count, stay somewhere around the 50 to 70% range, depending on if they're trailing or not and have to run three more three wide receiver sets. And then you get, and as home favorites, maybe probably not the case as much, um, or as road favorites, but maybe not so much the case. But you do get Anthony Miller seeing stability. 3900 is a very nice and attractive price point. No 
overwhelming interest in either of these guys. Anthony Miller, a couple of weeks back, got shut out because they didn't run a ton of three wide receiver sets, so he just wasn't on the field as much, only 50% of the time. Miller's price point is nice. I imagine a lot of people gravitate towards it because of the recent target share and the recent receptions and roll. If he starts to become, become chalky, it's just an easy fade for me. I'll go to Russell Gage at 4,500. I'll find ways to get around it, but right now it seems like a fine play. Isaiah McKenzie at 3,100. Look, he's quietly secured the Buffalo number two job. Like he is the guy. They shipped out Zay Jones to Oakland. Uh, they, Robert Foster has been active, but not playing a ton of snaps. He's been playing 70 plus percent of the snaps for three straight weeks. Isaiah McKenzie overtaking Duke Williams. He's looked good out there, but now he'll probably see, like we said earlier, Byron Jones will probably be on Isaiah McKenzie because John Brown stays on the left side of the field a lot and he'll get a woozy. So not a great spot for Isaiah McKenzie. Overall, all the guy over the last month of the season, although he has been playing a decent amount, only seeing two and a half receptions per game for 16 yards per game. So not a lot of great usage. The targets overall are not there either for a guy like McKenzie. You're lucky to get five targets a week. So 3,100, he's a flyer play that is just going to be on the field a lot and has upside. They also use him on end arounds, just not a priority. And that's it for me. Um, no interest in any of these other slot receivers. Cole Beasley, brutal matchup right now against uh, Jordan Lewis, who's been an absolute monster. Top five slot cornerback over the last six weeks of the season in terms of pass rating against. Cole Beasley's revenge narrative, probably not going to be there this week. Randall Cobb at 5,000 just seems like an overpriced slot wide receiver for me. I think you have better options than Russell Gage, a cheaper slot player with more upside. Anthony Miller, who we just talked about. I don't feel the need to have to get to uh, Randall Cobb at an elevated price point this week. I prefer on Dallas in this order, Michael Gallup in, in, in the stacking department, right? In general for Dallas, I prefer Zeke, Michael Gallup, Jason Witten, Amari Cooper. If you're talking about stacks, I prefer Michael Gallup, Zeke, and then Jason Witten, Amari Cooper. So really no interest in Cobb there. Danny Amendola, another slot wide receiver in a tough matchup against the Bears. Buster Screen has been very good in the slot. I just don't have any interest in getting to Amendola, even at 4,100, which you're looking at more times than not, is three or four receptions for 30 or 40 yards, and it's just not much upside. Has not been heavily used around the red zone as of late. Everybody else, no interest. Javon Wims at 3,000 is the only thing to pay attention to, if indeed Taylor Gabriel, who still remains as of Tuesday in the concussion protocol, seems like a decent shot he misses is out, then you can get more Javon Wims. Marvin Hill doesn't really, Marvin Hall catches like one ball a game for 40 yards. doesn't really matter all that much for DFS, but he got hurt last game. He's going to be questionable, if not doubtful for this upcoming week. And if anything happens with Julio Jones, keep an eye on Christian Blake, $3,000 flat. He has jumped um, Justin Hardy in the Atlanta wide receiver rotations. He ran 30 routes last week. Uh, Justin Hardy ran none. And a lot of those routes be, were because of Julio being injured. Man, tight end is a wasteland. Tight end is very much a wasteland this week, folks. So um, again, there's notes over on Instagram, but tight end, Jared Cook's the most expensive player on the slate at 4,800. There's obviously interest there. He's averaging 31.7 routes run per week since returning three weeks ago. Uh, The last three games, those three weeks since he's been healthy, Last month of the season with a bye week included, 14 receptions, 206 yards and two touchdowns, 19 targets, so 6.1 or 6.3 targets per game. Look, the preseason hype is starting to show. It's fine if you want to get to him at 4,800. I don't think you have to. You probably get six targets out of him more times than not. Nice matchup against Atlanta, Atlanta, of course, but I think more times than not, if he doesn't find the end zone, it's probably a three or four reception game for like 40 or 50 yards. I think you can probably get eight to nine fantasy points out of somebody else on this slate at tight end. It's just a matter of punting. He's probably the most consistent and highest upside players to get you there, but he's also priced like it. Jason Witten is probably my favorite overall play on the slate when you factor in for tight end, uh, not overall, but when you factor in just the price and the upside, he's also running 31 routes per week. So similar usage over the last month, 31.2 routes per game over the last month as Jared Cook. He's just not finding the end zone, but he's used just as heavily in the end zone. So you take Jared Cook, who's $1,500 more expensive and literally has the exact same role in his offense as Jason Witten, except Cook runs a little bit further down the field, which is definitely worth mentioning, but is it worth a $1,500 price difference and probably a ton of ownership? 
I don't think so. Fantasy points per game, 10.04 for uh, Jared Cook. Jason Wynn, 8.24. Very really skewed by um, probably early season touchdowns for Wynn and recent touchdown success for Jared Cook. I like Jason Witten for 3,300. I've already mentioned my interest in Dallas stacks, so that's why I'm getting a little bit more interest there. And then secondary options, TJ Hawkinson running 25 and a half routes per week over the last month, seven receptions, 109 yards, and 17 targets during that time. Doesn't stand out all that much. I'd prefer Jason Wynn at a similar price point. Uh, Chicago has been very good. Uh, Ha-Ha Dix has been fantastic downfield against tight ends this year. Dawson Knox, people might get excited about this guy if you look at game logs. Look, 2,900 is cheap. Um, 10 receptions, 112 yards over the last month, running only 19 and a half routes per week. He has played 70 plus percent of the snaps back-to-back games and three out of four games. So he's taken over this job wholeheartedly from Tyler Croft, who returned from injury about five or six weeks or about five weeks ago. So more times than not, Dawson Knox is going to see like two or three targets. He's going to catch two or three balls and have like five fantasy points for you. It's a matter of if he falls in the end zone. So if you're punting, you're punting with him. That's fine. And then lastly, Ben Brawnecker uh, for Chicago tight end. Adam Shaheen, unlikely to play. Um, Burton is already on IR. 30 routes per week over the last two is the starting tight end for this team, only resulting in three catches for 17 yards, but seven targets is actually interesting. The problem is he's just never the priority on this team. If you get no Taylor Gabriel, that surely helps him, but it's always going to be Tariq Cohen before him in the short passing game. On progressions, it'll be Allen Robinson, Tariq Cohen, Anthony Miller, Gabriel, or Wims, whoever's starting. It's just tough to see him paying off because Chicago doesn't really scheme for tight ends uh, since Trey Burton has gone down with injuries. So it's a gross week. Uh, Jadeem Graham at 4,200. I don't have interest in. He's running a lot of routes, 30 and a half, but three catches 76, for 76 yards and 67% of that yardage production came on his 50 plus yard catch to open the game last week. Only four targets in the last two weeks without Hooper. He's just not getting there. Uh, he's playing a lot of snaps, but at 4,200 for $900 more than Witten, who's going to run the same amount of routes as him and maybe more involved in his offense. It seems odd that Graham is so highly priced. Blake Jarwin's only running 11 routes per game over the last month of the season. I think people will see his name and remember his big games last year, but not realize that he's not actually being used all that much this year. Logan Thomas has had five catches, 56 yards and a touchdown, seven targets over the last month, but only seven targets per week. So he's very much so exceeding his usage right now. And then no interest in the Luke Stocks of the world. 10 routes run per week, no catches, one target over the last two weeks since no Hooper's been there. Jesse James, seven and a half targets per week, two catches, 10 yards over the last month on one target per week. Um, Not great for him. Nothing really stands out. It's just the top end. Jared Cook, Jason Witten seem like the two best plays at tight end. And there's a secondary tier of TJ Hawkinson, Dawson Knox, Ben Brawnector, and Jadeem Graham in that order are my interest of tight ends. I think I prefer Jason Witten for $1,500 less over Cook. But once again, Cook's probably the, the most likely to be the highest scorer on the slate. But if Cook scores 12 points in this slate, or let's say Cook scores 10 and a half and Jason Witten scores seven and a half or eight, that point difference for $1,500, if it gets you to that next tier of wide receiver, it gets you from the $6,000 wide receivers to the uh, Julio Jones of the world, then yeah, definitely take that. So that is the slate. Hopefully you all had a great, great Thanksgiving or you will have one. Or you're having one right now. Appreciate it if you hit the thumbs up, the subscribe button, five-star rating review on the audio podcast. Check out my exclusive content linked up down below. My name is Sal Vecchio. Thank you so much for tuning into this channel. I really do appreciate your support. Have a happy Thanksgiving and thank you so, so much. Check me out on my social medias, Instagram, Sal Vetri, Twitter at Sal Vetri, FS. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you can please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.